0: This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 4th of July 2017, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data. My name is Jon, and here as always is my excellent co-host, Dave. Hi, Dave. Wow, I've been upgraded to excellent. Hey, Jon. You were so nice to me last time. I had to do something in return. (laughs) Are you well? I'm fine. How are you? Still jet lagged?
1: No, not too bad, not too bad. Just dealing with the uh, now come back from uh, that beautiful sunny weather in San Jose to a sweltering heat wave here in the UK.
0: Rub it in, uh... rub it in.
1: (laughs) Hey, that's what we're here to
0: talk about, right? Yes, as the listeners probably already have guessed from the title of this episode, Dave went to the Hadoop Summit in San Jose and left me behind in Europe.
1: Yeah, well, someone had to
0: mind the shop. Yeah, but of course we didn't let you go alone. Yes, we, we sent somebody with you. We did, indeed. Say hello, Pitt. Hello, guys. <laughs> Hi, Pit. As well as uh, we you might remember, we had a little c- competition going on where we gave away a free ticket, and Pit was a lucky winner. And uh, that's why Pit and Dave both were in sunny California. Indeed, indeed. So, I mean, this
1: was, uh, you know, Jan's been going to uh, previously... Uh, Hadoop Summit, now DataWorks Summit, for many years, as he will quite oh, happily yes. tell anybody that will listen. Um, I have also been going for quite a few years now, uh, but but Pitt, this was your your very first um, sort of Hadoop slash
2: DataWorks Summit, I believe. That's correct. Yeah, it was by far the largest uh, conference I've ever attended.
1: Excellent, excellent. So yeah, we're just gonna just generally freeform and and uh, and chat a little bit about. The, uh, the overall experience. Um, I guess, you know, just to, to kick things off for someone that hasn't been to uh, this kind of event before, um, what I'd first recommend you do is go and listen to our previous episodes where we talk about the summit and different sessions and what to do and what not to do. Um, essential uh, essential <laughs> listening material if you're planning to attend the upcoming uh, uh, APAC DataWorks Summit. But, uh, I mean, just generally, it, it's, it does feel like the the summits as a whole, you know, they started off uh, very focused around, you know, core Hadoop, MapReduce, Hive, Pig, and those sorts of things. And, you know, the, the sessions, the breadth of technologies and the breadth of sessions covered in, in a, the sort of data work summit that uh, now is, you know, Never, never ceases to amaze me the the breadth of technologies, the breadth of people speaking. You know, you've got a variety of technical sessions, um, business and commercial sessions, um, and there's a real nice, you know, mixing of, uh, I guess uh, suits suits and hoodies would be uh, would be one way of putting it um, in in terms of the the attendees. So that very much there's there's something for everyone there. I don't know how how you guys feel about it.
2: Yeah, I mean there are nine separate tracks, so that's that's almost an overwhelming uh, kind of choice of of, uh, of options available. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the kind of the suits and hoodies. Um, there's definitely two kind of main main wardrobes that that were in existence there. Although, as you pointed out, it was it was quite warm, uh, and so I think you, you definitely uh, got down to a lot of t shirts, which is why it was phenomenal that the vendor halls was full of uh, free t shirt giveaways. <laughs>
1: <laughs> indeed, indeed, and the—I mean—that's that's something else that's worth kind of mentioning is, yeah, you've got all of these, uh, all of these these tracks. You know, some business tracks, some tech tracks, um, but you've also got uh, the vendor hall where a variety of the essentially the sponsors for the event. Um, Go and you know have a variety of things up and running from, you know, demos to, to people. They're just happy to to talk to you about some of their some of their solutions. So, did did you spend much time in the in the uh, in in the hall going f- from sort of booth to booth?
2: definitely i did yeah it was it was an interesting thing i mean obviously you know t-shirts are are always a, a welcome commodity and some <laughs> some vendors were kind of spicing things up by having free giveaways of mm-hmm. a google home uh, that you had to be there at a specific time uh, and and place and date and sort of enter your, your all-important uh, personal details to be flooded with emails. Um, it's one a big a conference. Also, what do you expect? Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Can't complain about that. But one thing that was really uh, interesting to me and sort of, I imagine, quite odd is the fact that one of the co-hosts of the conference was Yahoo, which mm-hmm. the day before the conference, you know, it was announced that they were kind of subsumed – um, by their, by their buyer, by Verizon, I guess it was. And, you know, they were now part of a larger sort of alphabet like organization called oath. And so you had this huge space that was sort of branded with all this Yahoo stuff, but there was really nothing that they were advertising except Mm -hmm. that Yahoo had a a kind of a long provenance in in the big data space. Uh, and all the people there who were from Yahoo, uh, were kind of, you know, just there, kind of congregating and chatting, and I guess the the branding was such that it was too late to make any changes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of it was kind of interesting. Um, Sumit Singh, who we've had on the podcast previously, presented on the the keynote of day two. I think he mentioned something about the fact uh, that uh, this is probably the last uh, DataWorks Summit that he'll be attending in purple, uh, but yes. hopefully yeah. he'll be attending. Hopefully he'll be attending in red in the future. <laughs> so <laughs> moving to the Verizon colors, I guess. But
0: uh, yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I'm still a bit curious though, uh, Pits, suits
2: or hoodies? Where are you? Who are you? <laughs> oh, I'm 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 hoodies for sure. Hoodies, hoodies <laughs> and or t-shirts. I mean, I've done managerial stuff in the past, but mostly from a technical perspective. Uh-huh. And now I'm doing more technical work um, than ever, which was by choice. Uh, kind of moving away from manage management, I guess.
0: Uh, do you mind telling a bit about yourself? How you got into the big data world, why you started doing Hadoop stuff?
2: Sure. So uh, my name is Pit Fagan. I'm a senior data analyst for Zendesk, mm-hmm. uh, based in Madison, Wisconsin, and I run the uh, Big Data Madison uh, meetup. And I'm also one of the co-organizers of Big Data Wisconsin uh, conference, which um, Dave saw me with the uh, with the t-shirt from last year's conference on uh, to kind of do some brand awareness. <laughs> um, and so I've been running uh, I've been running the Big Data Madison meetup for the last four years or so, um, I've been doing back-end development stuff and uh, in, in databases, data warehousing, that sort of thing for the, about the last um, 18 years. And so it's just kind of a, a nature of sort of like following the trends and figuring out like what's new, you know, NoSQL, et cetera, kind of was, kind of was my ramp, my on-ramp on, if you will, yeah, yeah, yeah. into hearing a lot about... HDFS and Hadoop and Hive and, and all this stuff and just to kind of it's been really exciting to sort of be in this space because you know as Dave mentioned it's just this explosion of, of functionality and, and applications and stuff around this ecosystem is such a rich um, place to be and a very exciting place to be and so running the meetup is um, I wouldn't say it's easy because it's always a problem to find quality uh, content but it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to kind of have a rich thing uh, you know kind of rich uh, spectrum of of things to try and pull it in because big data means different things to yeah, different people definitely. and uh, everybody is sort of happy to hear about it and even though the name of the meetup is sort of big data madison i've been also doing a lot more data science uh, work in the last couple of years, um, because every year I, I survey my membership, and there's been an increasing interest in sort of data science topics, mm-hmm. and so I've been doing more data science work, both professionally and also in terms of getting um, speakers around those subject matters as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it it, it makes sense, because it, it seems like, uh, as people that are consuming big data Get more mature in that space it's less about you know the the problems of early adopters are things like a, how do I get the data in there in the first place b you know what can I get as initial value out of it once I've got data in that place, but then you know those are the sort of the the teething troubles that people that their initial adopters have, sort of data science and the growth in that direction is. To me, is the sign of a more mature user base and more mature marketplace.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And, I, and you know, some of the some of the speakers at the you know various keynotes were talking about you know the the analogies of what is what is data now. You know, data is the new oil. It seems like a lot of people were poo pooing that um, <laughs> that analogy and kind of moving on to different things. Um, and so you're right. I think a lot of companies are realizing that they're they're sitting on a lot of um, Unknowns with the data that they've spent time and money to sort of you know put in their quote unquote data lake, and yeah. now they want to see you know increasing value and and figuring out well what do we have here and how can we commoditize it potentially and sell it to our our customers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so I mean, yeah, you mentioned some of the some of the keynotes. So let's 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 kick off with let's kick off with that then. Um, the, the so the day one uh, keynote. Um, I think if if I could make a a heartfelt plea to to the organizers of uh, of the DataWorks Summit, um, please for the love of God adjust the volume levels so that uh, it, it's it's audible uh, by normal human beings. Um, and the reason I say that is that the uh, the intro for certainly day one and day two. Um, so day one was, uh, you know, um, a laser show and it was more lasers on day two. Uh, but the, uh, the audio was so loud and so brash that actually the only way to get sort of, uh, the audio sounding normal I found was that to actually wear earplugs as well. Then it actually all sounded okay. But, uh, yeah, it was a little bit overbaked, um, in my personal opinion.
0: Yeah, but that's just but, to wake everybody up, right? Everybody jet lagged and <laughs> sleepy. You have to do something.
2: I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, but, I certainly wasn't know. expecting like a rock introduction with uh, <laughs> you know, Davis Wright right, with uh, laser, the techno beat, um, fog <laughs> machine. Uh, and yeah. I noticed I, one of the things I found really kind of grimly amusing was the copious warnings of the fact that there would be strobe lights and lasers <laughs> because the last thing you want is to have someone going into a fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But as as always, once once the once the noise and the flash had died down, um, there you know, the the keynote gets uh, gets kicked off, and uh, it was you know as always 160 sessions in this particular summit. Um, and over 700 submissions, so it, it very much tells you that this kind of event is most certainly alive and kicking. It sounds like uh, you know there's there's almost more interest than ever in this particular space. And I guess you know they, they've they've done the rebranding. They've gone from Hadoop Summit to DataWorks Summit. So they're they're clearly now looking at a a wider set of the uh, the big data ecosystem. Um, and I think that's I think that's good. I think that uh, we're focusing, you know, we're seeing customers wanting to focus on more than just uh, more than just the core elements of traditional Hadoop. Anyway, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so so mm-hmm. I think the 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 sort of the first pieces of that were were around. Um, talking around the, the enabling the the modern data architecture, you know, eliminating silos, all the the kind of consistent things that we've been talking about for for a while now. Yeah,
0: but then the tropes it, it, of big data,
1: exactly, exactly. But uh, as as Pitt mentioned earlier, then that sort of came into far more of a, a data science focus towards the towards the end of the, uh, the sort of that keynote section. You know, very much f- focusing on uh, you know machine learning deep learning the right tool sets for the for the above and uh, you know w- we're at this place where we've not only got the, this broad variety of data emerging in data lakes but we're also in a position where we've got this uh, the ability to, to process that we've got the the amount of raw compute power to be able to start you know gaining some actual um,
0: insight okay. with that. There's been a bit, uh, a bit of news articles where the Hadoop vendors are profiling themselves as uh, somewhat AI, deep learning, machine learning companies more than just big data. So that was coming forward in the keynote too. Then,
1: yeah, yeah, very much. At least the, not necessarily the, the comp- like. I mean, it was, it was Rob initially talking about uh, it from, from that side. So it's not, not that he's necessarily rebranding, but acknowledging the fact that. I as I say, I think it's the it's a question of market maturity. We're in that sort of position where um data science is becoming key as to mm-hmm. how people unlock that next level of value out of the data
0: lakes. Yeah, it's also a bit because the, the the SQL version, the structured data, that's pretty much thought out, that works well. You've got new things happening still, of course, with Druid and OLAP cubing. But the next step of getting the value out of your data is going to the deeper yeah, machine learning AI thing. So it's logical.
1: Yeah yeah yeah. And of course the the big flash the big news um was uh, was basically Jon the, the sound of Jon winning his uh, <laughs> his his bet and uh you know being very successful on his prediction. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> good exactly. And we had our uh, our visions of the future session. And uh, and Jon did indeed predict, uh, as did I, supporting him. But this was his particular prediction that uh, IBM were going to step away from uh, you know the the environment where they have their own Hadoop distribution, and uh, were going to you know go in hopefully all in with HDP. And indeed, that is exactly what has happened. Um, so the, you know the, the the big sort of the build up to that was. Uh, IBM has been involved with HortonWorks since you know since the initial founding, since 2011. Um, IBM has been a part of the ODPI mm. for a while now. Yeah. Um, obviously, there were announcements around uh, Power8 support, hardware mm-hmm. support for uh, HDP fairly recently, and now they are sort of uh, made a number of announcements around things like their data science experience, which will be available um, into. Um, Linked in with HTTP, and um, as will be Big SQL be available on HTTP. Also, we've already talked about on previous episodes their integration with Atlas and the mm-hmm. IBM yeah, stable yeah, yeah. of tools that they're they're adopting. And then the final piece that they're essentially standardizing on HDP for the Hadoop components of their Big Insights. Yeah. Um, so their own. Um, Hadoop element will no longer exist uh, yeah. it's it's yeah. largely effective immediately.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense too I mean IBM doesn't make it doesn't add value for IBM to have their distribution of, of Hadoop, their values on the layered on top products, the, the integration side, the, the analytic side and stuff like that So, and the, 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 the interesting thing here is I was expecting them to do a pivotal and just replace the Hadoop and that's it but IBM with the Atlas thing a couple of weeks ago actually showing that they're not just going to be borrowing this tech and running with it. No, they're going to keep on developing and integrating it further for, for the rest of the world as well. So that's good.
2: Excellent. Yeah. I think that sort of follows on, you know, with IBM has, has uh, made a lot of you know splashes in the last year, year and a half around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, increasing support of spark and yep. always touting the lines of code that they've Contributed uh, to uh, to Spark and to other libraries, which I think is, or other projects rather, which I think is sort of an odd measure of uh, kind of what they've what they've contributed. But it's sort of increasing, like IBM integration, with a lot of um, kind of a lot of the the ethos that exists in in a huge number of of uh, projects. Kind of you know, in terms of open source and, yeah. and contributing back to the community,
0: yeah, I think it's going to be for IBM internally also going to be a, a bit of a culture shock, maybe to, to to embrace open source in this kind of fashion because once you go this Hadoop way, you're going to have to yeah, embrace open source in a wholly different way, I think.
1: I mean, I, I think I, I agree I, from the sort of the field perspective. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think what is interesting though is that. Um, there were some stats that they put up around actual contributions to uh, to Apache, specifically around contributions to Apache. Um, and uh, they were basically basically IBM and HortonWorks are number one and number two in terms of organisations directly contributing. And to Apache uh, in
0: general, or to Hadoop specifically?
1: To uh, to a, to a, a I, they weren't too specific. Okay. You know, it's a keynote slide, but it did talk about Apache. It didn't tie it down specifically but given that you know Hortonworks being number two I would guess that they probably filtered the project list to yeah assume so. um, to to Apache but it was um, you know if you if you look at uh, IBM and Hortonworks number together mm-hmm. then you know they were three times larger than than the nearest competitor so I think it's it's fairly safe to say from that perspective that the the underlying engineering uh, sort of part or at least uh, a reasonable part of IBM is already that that sort of uh, that oil that part of the oil tanker has turned mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, it'll yeah. be the field that will possibly struggle more with the uh, the, the, the messaging but I guess you know that's what that's yeah. what we're here to help with.
0: But it's a bit of a recent change I think because I remember from a couple of years ago there was this blog from a guy in Japan I think who kind of every year put together a list of what companies were contributing to Hadoop mm-hmm. and I can't really remember seeing IBM in the top five at that point so they must have uh, up there uh, the game up yeah. quite I think
1: you're right I think you're right I we think I B-
0: top five maybe they were in the top five, but you also had this first couple very high, and then a very steep fall off. Well, and yeah. then the rest happens, and I didn't, I don't remember IBM being in those in those top uh, in the top crowd. but I'm talking yeah. about two three years ago now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I haven't seen that uh, that study refreshed recently. I no. must admit, I don't. think It's a shame. Anymore.
0: Yeah, it's really no.
1: So. Maybe maybe we should take that on as well.
0: <laughs> ah, see, people, Dave has just volunteered. That's how open source works. Yeah.
1: Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, in, very very interesting announcements. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know, what, Pitt, what what your sort of thoughts were around um, around the the rest of the uh, the, the sessions, but uh, you know there were a variety of different. You know, there was a panel session. There was uh, Raj talking. We had. Uh, uh, Siram from from Microsoft and and a few different other things, but for me, the, you know, the, those were the the sort of the pieces that I was uh, I was most excited about around the keynotes. Did anything kind of stand out for you?
2: Um, you know, they 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 started off saying that there's going to be the four big pieces of news uh, from HortonWorks, and I think you kind of covered those um, in terms of uh, increasing investment in Apache Atlas and Big Sequel and kind of the I almost view it as like a, a quid pro quo between HortonWorks and IBM, where, yeah. um, you know, HortonWorks is uh, kind of going to be pushing uh, DSX, the Data Science Experience Platform, and and IBM is going to be pushing HDP as the as the distribution that they're going to be um, uh, kind of advocating for moving forward. Um, are we just talking about keynote one or all the keynotes? Uh, we can we can cover all the keynotes. So one of the things, and I think when you and I met up, I, I mentioned this too, one of the things that I thought was interesting, and it kind of dovetails nicely with what we've been saying thus far around the uh, increasing importance of data sciences, there was a slide there that showed um, kind of the, uh, in billions, the investments that have been made in things like cloud computing and whatnot, they were all, you know, to the hundreds of billions of dollars, and then data science was like an order of magnitude less and I think yeah. that the point of that slide was pointing out that there's there's huge gains to be made in this area, um, which is true, and I think is borne out in uh, subsequent keynotes that have come through, you know, since then. But also uh, a lot of the talks and uh, a lot of the the vendor, um, a lot of the vendor kind of exhibitions were kind of pushing that as well. Uh, yeah. Something I thought was interesting that uh, it was this kind of. The increasing of uh, proliferation of sort of drag and drop functionality, I mean, we saw that with a ton of the um, the demos that were being given, both in terms of like DSX, uh, HDF, Cask, uh, which is one of the vendors, um, yeah. Uh, SAM, uh, Yeah. Which That's is a stream, sort of looking, a streaming analytics manager from HortonWorks. Ex- yeah, 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 exactly. That that was one of the big things that was unveiled in the second day's keynote. Um, yep. and so this sort of increase on here, look, you know, look ma, no coding. Um, yeah. In terms of uh, being able to kind of allow a greater or larger segment of people in your organization to do these things,
0: yeah, lower the barrier um, I think, of access, yeah.
2: Yeah, so that that was that that was something that I think was a theme that really ran through of like the entire conference. I would say. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think that there's definitely a a movement to uh, democratize is probably not quite the word, but you know, you mentioned lowering the barrier to entry. I think just generally making yeah commoditize just making these technologies more easily consumable. I mean i think um you know streaming analytics manager is is kind of an interesting um piece here because you know it's not it's not something like nifi where nifi itself has that drag and drop but it's a it's a whole brand new sort of component which Yon and I are uh, admittedly fans of, but streaming <laughs> analytics manager is designed to plug into existing big data technologies now out of the the gate right now it's it's Storm and Kafka, but you know, they did talk about Spark Streaming uh, being on the uh, on the roadmap. So we're now looking at, um, at at these sort of items. The underpinnings are are stable, reliable, yep. and it's just how do you make those underpinnings more easily consumable? So I think you know the, the, there's there's some interesting things happening in the space. I think.
0: Yeah, it's also going to open the door towards more of a SaaS pass solutions available in the, in the world, because at the moment you've got Databricks doing their Spark, you've got EMR on Amazon, you got AC Insight on uh, Azure, but it's still very early days there, having really intuitive, in, intelligent SaaS layers that just give the functionality, the, 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 the analytics functionality to the people without having to worry about the whole infrastructure that's still well not there. But it's coming. Apparently, that's interesting to hear because that wasn't really present in uh, the European version. Uh, in the European version, no, no, you're didn't right. Really get you're that right. Vibe. I mean, Sam was there at the start, but I uh, didn't really have that vibe. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I mean, the uh, well we're perhaps sort of, I don't want to spend too much more time on the keynote. So, like I get some <laughs> of the sessions. But the perhaps the other thing that I would I would highlight is the day day two session day um, Two's keynote, and uh, Sameet Singh's session, who, I, as I mentioned, we've had on the podcast before mm-hmm. from Yahoo. And he was talking about um, just the continued usage of um, Hadoop within uh, Yahoo, and talking about it from the scale of the sort of percentage utilization they have across across compute and memory and storage. And one of the things that I thought was particularly interesting is um this is an organization that has obviously been doing this very successfully for a very long time um they obviously have you know very very smart people there but even given all of that their their utilizations are all kind of trending in the right direction all trending upwards and it's all looking very good but most of their utilizations are, are still kind of between like 70 to 80% um and to me that just suggests that there's still a there's still a lot of like skew in in what they're doing there's still you know that whether it's uh obviously i don't know the detail behind it whether it's over provisioning or whether they're they don't they deliberately don't want to go higher than that sort of percentage of utilization but i don't know to me that seemed uh that seemed a little bit surprisingly low i don't know what uh what you guys think
0: Yeah, I wasn't there so I can't say. <laughs> <coughs> but if if someone
1: told you uh, we're we're only we're only utilizing 70% of our our memory and and compute power wouldn't wouldn't that surprise you?
0: Mm, no. Cuz uh typically in uh infrastructure when you build it you over uh, how to over design cuz you expect yep. growth in the future. I mean, I live in the in the cloud world and that's where cloud really shines. You don't have to do that cuz you can flexibly scale out. Yeah, that's why we have a sense and purpose in the world as a cloud vendor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why you have a sense and purpose. Now I know, <laughs> except for you, of course.
1: <laughs> okay, no, I just I thought it was interesting. I think that that it, it surprised me a little bit. Anyway, I think that uh, uh, a lot of organisations I, I talk to, even even with when they're looking at on prem, they're yes, they are looking at. Um, ensuring they have a reasonable amount of capacity but uh, and yeah who only going back sort of 18 months or so were you know 10 to 15% even lower utilization so I don't know. I
0: just uh, yeah. Who also had a story before where they had an existing infrastructure, and then with the uh, improvements on Hadoop itself, improvement on the hardware, on the CPU, the sizing, whatever, they were able to scale down their footprint, still doing more. So, are they saying that they now have more available than before because they've been optimizing more?
1: Or so that was that was the uh, that was the Yarn collapse, wasn't it? That's where they moved basically from. About uh, forty-five thousand nodes, I think, to about thirty-two.
0: Yeah, I don't know the numbers but something nodes. like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, overall, and that was due to improvements in multi-tenancy and yarn that that allowed them to make that change so yeah i guess i guess it could be attributed to part of that as well but But, uh,
0: yeah from my from my past i mean i used to be a data center guy where i had a hadoop cluster and basically when we built that thing we built it twice the size what we needed because we already knew that within the next six to eight months we'd be downloading data sets and you need space on those things Yeah. Just, um, yeah. Also, in those days, you had, of course, a three times replication with uh, razor code, and that's going to be less of an issue now. But you just, you want to get, you need space. It's big data for a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, very true. Very true. And the memory things, even if people say they need Spark and they only use a subset of 100 gigabytes, well, you know they're going to use a terabyte if they have it.
1: (laughs) 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 Whatever fits in RAM. Whatever fits in
0: RAM. Yeah, and forty six k is enough for everybody, right?
1: Yeah, unless you want to run Spark. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So, yeah, I, any anything else that you would think uh, is worth worth mentioning around the the keynotes pit?
2: Um. No, I like. I think there's there's 160 talks. <laughs> we can only get to a subset of them, uh, and I think some of some of the commonalities I think kind of lend themselves more to the to the specific talks as opposed to coming out of the keynotes.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's let's switch gears then into. Uh, into the talks or or Jon do we want to break for some music
0: yes let's uh, give this a timestamp so people can skip through if they don't want to hear to the uh, if listen to these uh, what do you call these things again keynote talks so yep yeah, let's take a quick break and we're we'll back after the music with Pit and Dave talking about their experiences at the Salesforce DataWorks Summit And welcome back. Right, Pit and Dave, talk to me. What did you listen to? What kind of goodness can you share with me?
1: Hmm, goodness. There was all sorts of goodness. Um, certainly on day one. Um, I think I don't know about how how you felt, Pit, but I must admit that the the number of simultaneous tracks running, it was there was quite often. It was quite a difficult choice between. Uh, you know session a or session B and uh you you know it's 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 not quite buyer's remorse, but whatever the equ- session remorse maybe is uh, <laughs> you go you go into one session and uh and you think okay this is the one that I'm going to go to and you go to it and you are sort of halfway through you're thinking ah this is okay, but I wonder if the other session would have been better <laughs> yeah, the grass is always
0: greener in the other room right i
1: I think you're right I think you're right the, the talks are always better in the other
2: room. <laughs> But. Sometimes. Yeah. And a couple times I did indulge in that uh, and actually yeah. did leave halfway through and went to a different session. Yeah. Uh, Cause you're right. I usually, I mean, looking at the schedule in front of me, I had in most, in most time slots, I had two, you know, two X's for things. It's like I could, I could see going to this one or that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So I spoiled for choice, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed. But as I say, the one of the best things about uh, about the DataWorks Summit is that you can catch up on this stuff afterwards. So the the slides and the uh, and the session recordings um, are going to be available in hopefully a, a week or two's time. So yeah. you'll see those start to get populated through the agenda.
0: Good chance by the time this goes live, they're already up there. Because I know the European first session was very fast with the uh, videos. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One, one interesting thing. And, uh, I must have, I haven't checked, uh, any of the videos to check whether it's the same, but I know that, um, for the San Jose data Works summit, um, the recordings will be just of the slides, not of the, not of the presenters and not switching backwards and forwards. Oh. So you'll get the audio and the slides, okay. um, which I think is probably better. Um, as, as long as you get the, the consistent audio, uh, as long as there's no sort of uh, demonstrations from that perspective. But I, I must admit, I do think it's, sometimes it is quite nice to actually see the presenters as well. But there we go.
0: Yeah, this, the body language is important, too. I mean, it kind of gives you the emphasis when they want to give it. And
1: uh, I don't know.
0: We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Anyway, um, so, I mean, the first session that I'd like to talk about was – um. Was one from from Verizon, and uh, it was it was around their you know why the data lake, um, and you know how they how they went through from their initial um, experiments with uh, with this. So it was their the particular topic was finance data lake implementation as a self service discovery big data platform, um, and I, I it. They have a number of different data lakes. So these guys were particularly focused on their sort of finance data lake, which I think is is something that we're seeing happening more and more in the big data space. It's not just used for uh, analytics anymore. It's not just used for um, sort of seeing what's happened. But actually, organizations are getting to the point where Hadoop is actually that that also that trusted financial platform organizations are actually you know so comfortable with it that they' they're essentially closing their monthly quarterly books on, uh, on on the Hadoop layer rather than relying on you know some of the traditional finance systems so these guys go through the sort of the different uh, raw data that they were bringing on um, they talked through their journey, of uh, how they were doing a variety of different sort of data ingests, the variety of different uh, methods they were using to uh, bring data in the first time. And they also talked about a little bit about their journey. So they started off using um, a variety of, of different tools and technologies, you know, quite a wide variety, and essentially had a variety of different landing zones and ETL zones and other things in between. Um, and but by the end of it, it was they managed to do away with a lot of that complexity, and uh, you know they're making um, some use of Nifi at some reasonable scale, um, still using some sort of uh, some scoop for some of the relational um, ingest, but also making use of Attunity to, to talk to some of their um, um, some of their legacy platforms. So. Doing things like uh, data validation and and data quality as well on things that they're bringing in. So overall, it was a it was a pretty interesting session um, for an organisation that's. You know, Verizon have quite a a significant history in, in big data and in Hadoop. They've been you know quite uh, quite active in the community and they've been very successful users of it in the past. So they're obviously now sort of pivoting from just dealing with the, the network and the customer experience management side to uh, actually also bring the, the financial side of, of the organization on board. So, yeah, an interesting interesting session. Um, you know, batch, interactive, and real-time data sources all coming into uh, into a finance use case. So, uh,
0: Do I hear it correctly? That was more of a high-level talk, not really technical detail? Uh,
1: it was a little... If I was... If I was to critique it at all, I would say it was a little bit on a little bit too high level. Okay. But they didn't. They they did answer technical questions, so they you know, they they clearly had the knowledge. Mm-hmm. But the talk itself was was a little bit high level, and I think some of that is. Uh, I'll, I'll mention that on another session. Some of that is just you know they 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 don't want to go into too much depth. So you know if you ask them okay. specifically around. Data volumes, node counts, complexity like that—they just they won't go there because it, it, yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's an important thing for organisations that are talking at these uh, these events. I really do appreciate that they are sharing. they are participating in the community. They are sharing this kind of information because it's it's got to be a, a a very tricky um, thing to balance between yeah. you know presenting something, and the benefits for, for you as an organization talking is, is you know, you can use it as a recruitment tool, you can use it to show how cutting-edge you are in in these sorts of technologies, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, there is there's the potential of, you know, are you giving too much away, are you giving yeah. the, the crown jewels type of information away? Yeah. So, Did
0: they have any kind of big uh, wow factor thing that they were specifically, this is what changed it, this is what we've discovered, this is what happened, or...
1: Not really. Um, it was. It was really just a sort of gentle evolution of, of how they did things and uh, talking people through the through the journey. Yeah. Um, so yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting. Some lessons learned in there
1: um there were a few lessons learned the key one seemed to be and again this will come up again a bit later um you know do security up front don't wait until <laughs> later
0: very happy heard that before
1: <laughs> yeah i think every time that you and i touch on security <laughs> we mention it <laughs> but yeah it was good okay. how about you Pip? what was what was the, the first session that you you think is particularly worthy of mentioning
2: uh, sure, it was actually at the same time as yours, uh, and and kind of security featured very heavily in this one. Uh, this one was called Dockerize and Kerberized Notebook for Yarn and HDFS uh, by Bloomberg, mm-hmm. and that was uh, the first of of a series of talks that I that I attended, where uh, they kind of were stressing the use of of uh, either Zeppelin or. Um, or Jupyter Notebooks kind of in the corporation mm-hmm. and the increasing adoption of that as as a way to kind of um, allow people, like, more access. So, like, the, you know, notebooks are, are fantastic and they've been used primarily in the past for, like, data science purposes. Yep. And I think now you're seeing more and more different types of people from throughout the organization use it as a lot of things like um, the kind of access control layer... And a lot of the security that needs to exist when you're dealing with sensitive data like you are in Bloomberg um, is becoming, you know, b- b- more built in. Um, and so this talk was was talking about how they kind of implemented um, these, you know, Jupyter notebooks and how they uh, had to, you know, use uh, Livy and how mm-hmm. it worked with Kerberos and uh, Active Directory, and, you know, they had a lot of corporate requirements and how they built some things, um, internal tools that they're planning to open source, or at least supposedly they're planning to open source around um, what they call, like, Docker Spawner. Um, they're huge fans of Docker at Bloomberg. Apparently, that's what the that's what the speaker was saying. Um, <laughs> and how they're hoping to open source this Docker Spawner library and uh, KDC Spawner, um eventually and i think a lot of uh, what's really interesting is you have um a lot of these larger companies that have a lot of you know resources and needs uh that are kind of custom, and then they don't see anything that's going to fit the bill exactly and then they'll go and open source or excuse me they'll go and develop these things in-house and i a number of the talks that i attended were kind of if you will the, the coming out party uh for yep. a lot of these internal tools and that's a way of both kind of interesting people in and getting the word out on some of, these, um, some of these internal projects that have been developed, but also, uh, you know, from a recruitment standpoint, kind of letting more technical individuals know, hey, this is some of the cool stuff that we're developing in-house. Um, and this talk was more technical, uh, but it was, like I said, one of the major sort of themes that I saw, and um, it's just sort of the, the increasing use and, and full functionality, if you will, of, uh, of notebooks.
0: Now, I can understand Kerberos, of course, being part of securing a uh, environment, obviously, but how would they use Docker to use that? Because primarily you use Docker for security when you just compart- compartmentalize your uh, little application and data in one Docker image so nobody else can see it or you can not get out. But in this case, you kind of need to reach out of your Docker environment to reach your data sets, I would imagine. So how was uh, any uh, further info- details on that?
2: Um Hmm. I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember the specifics. I have a lot right. of photos that I took with, in terms of the architecture ah. uh, sort of diagrams and stuff. Uh, so I, I guess I don't remember. I think that they were thinking of of Docker, you know, obviously specifically more around the ease of, of, uh, of spinning up and not having yeah. resources sort of go on and stuff like that. Um
0: and, of course, you kind of want to have Kerberos or some kind of security in your Docker environment to make sure that whatever Docker container gets spun up is also secure in your environment. So maybe that was the connection between the two.
2: Could be, yeah. I'm, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't remember the specifics, sorry.
0: it well, sounds interesting. It's, uh, I think it's kind of a video a am going to watch, I think. <laughs> yeah. Because Docker is getting in, in, in everywhere if you start finding Docker. so Yeah. Indeed,
1: um, right. All right. Yeah. So, moving on.
0: Uh, my I, the next. I just want to say I'm very disappointed that nobody went to the What's Possible with AI and Data in 2017. That's the one I was looking forward to hear about, and you totally, yeah, disappointed.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> what can I say? If you get to go, you can choose the sessions you want to go to. <laughs>
0: uh, rabbit in, rabbit in.
1: <laughs> all right. So, speaking of next sessions. Um, just, just very briefly, uh, the next one that I went to, um, I was more of a uh, uh, there from a Hortonworks perspective than for my own edification. Um, but that was uh, solving Skyber at scale with uh, Simon Ball. Um, okay. So he's a uh, product manager for uh, Metron and the Hortonworks cybersecurity um, uh, platform. And uh, so I was there really just to support that session. Um, and you know, get get also an idea of what the reception was to his session, uh, an idea of some of the questions that were asked. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a it was on the business track, so it's oh. more of a high level. You know, why why cybersecurity and big data? Um, and uh, uh, my answer would be, why not? It's perfect for it. You've got lots of data. You've got lots of things hidden in that data. Big velocity. It's perfect, yeah, exactly. It, it, big velocity. Big variety. Um, so yeah, it's the, it's the perfect uh, big data use case in my particular opinion. But yeah, good session. Yeah, a lot of the questions were really around: um, is it production ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, which the answer was well, yes, because we've got customers using it in production.
2: That's not the uh, same thing necessarily. And,
1: <laughs> uh, and uh, we've also so Metron has uh, evolved to a top level project, which speaks to the yeah. the depth of the community behind it. But also, you know, there's there's some fairly major announcements coming um, mm-hmm. at the uh, at the APAC DataWorks Summit, which uh, Simon hinted towards um, around uh, a certain uh, major telco uh, in the APAC region that is essentially uh, will be by that point have sunsetted their uh, their existing Seam platform and they'll mm-hmm. have uh, moved entirely uh, to Metron um, and they're opening a. Uh, a cybersecurity as a service platform built on Metron as well.
0: So, okay. um, When you mentioned teller, when that, you mentioned uh, telecom, I had a company in mind, but if it's APAC, then it can't be them.
1: <laughs> no, no, not not the one you're thinking of. But uh, yeah, so it was a, it was a good session, but you know, very high level, yeah. you know, focused on business, focused on the. The, the opportunity for big data in cyber.
0: That's a bit of a, a sign of their maturity as well, right? I mean, this project is fairly new, it's all about the tech and all about how you code the stuff and make it better and stuff. Once yep. it gets to a certain maturity, you kind of have to start selling the product. And at that point, yep. these things uh, surface. So it's a good sign.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. But yeah, good, good session, good, um, good overview, um, quite busy as well. So
0: yeah. Yeah, we're well attended.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty well attended. Uh, which kind of partially surprises me and partially doesn't. I mm.
0: uh, um, think it's to be expected that security is becoming the number one topic in the world.
1: Yeah. Well, w- WannaCry has certainly uh, <laughs> uh, done done something for um, CISO's budgets, that's for sure.
0: True, true, true. I even changed my uh, home setup to uh, make sure WannaCry can't touch me anymore. <laughs>
1: So yeah, that was that was my next uh, notable session. How about you, Pitt? Uh,
2: the next notable session that I went to was uh, again at the exact same time. Uh, I wonder if they the conference is sort of front loading good uh, good talks. I usually do. <laughs> was the um, the talk uh, by Netflix? Yeah, I knew What's I knew one of you were going to run? take that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, scaling data quality at Netflix. Uh, that was actually, I think, my favorite. Talk in the in the entire conference. Um, right. It was pretty low level. I thought it was a really good talk. The slides were, were actually uh, quite distinctive because a lot of the slides had as their sort of background imagery um, uh, screenshots of some of like the the stills from you know Netflix programs. So you had a lot of <laughs> superheroes and things like that, which obviously is a lot of visual interest yeah. um, behind a lot of the slides, but. I thought that that was that was a really interesting talk. Uh, they had a lot of information about just how large an operation they have in terms of, uh, I think it was 125 million hours of content viewed every single day. You know, 100 million members, 190 con- countries, just a, a huge amount of uh, of scale, uh, totally in AWS, um, and how they are having problems with uh, with data quality and the step that they've taken to really. Um, to really to try and catch these things uh, before they kind of, you know, any any sort of data quality issues. How they um, are taking steps to try and catch that before it really gets reported up, and then you know needing to recast numbers and recalculate things and whatnot. And it kind of speaks to what another thing that I observed is sort of a larger trend, which is sort of the the increasing use of um, metadata um, to really drive a lot of. Um, really drive and automate a lot of decision making but then also mm-hmm. using using metadata in a way to again I don't want to use the word democratize I don't think that's right, but kind of federate out a lot of um, decision making into the hands of people who really have a, are closer to the data and have a better yep. feel for what's actually an anomalous uh, event or an anomalous piece of data as opposed to like a data engineer who maybe doesn't really care and doesn't really understand some of the information that they're moving around.
1: Yep. they're just they're just they're just writing a pipeline, connecting A to B and pushing data through it. And as long as the data is flowing, it's it's good. But that's not necessarily the case.
2: Yes, yeah, completely. Uh, and so they were talking about some um, uh, that the lady from Netflix who was speaking was talking a lot about how uh, they would allow like a, a business user, for example, to kind of help set the rules. For what constitutes, uh, you know, the data quality checks, mm-hmm. um, and how they have kind of created um, some, uh, and again, internal tools that they're hoping to open source. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, getting and how they how they're using um, that information then to kind of drive and store like statistics on a lot of the on a lot of the data, and then reporting on that as well. Um, and so they kind of, like I thought a very well thought out kind of process that they were that they were using um, and using a lot of like uh, time sort of time based analyses to look and see if there was any sort of anomalous data and kind of looking at the you know trend lines and, and confidence intervals and things like that so kind of looking at some heuristics uh, also around the data that's existed over that's been captured over time to, to also try and look at, at, a, at kind of historically anomalous uh, potentially yeah. information as well. Yes. So it's pretty slick stuff. And they were talking about Kinto and Jumpstarter, which is uh, kind of a wrapper library for for Kinto, which is like a data quality uh, service, custom application um, that they were planning to open source, as I understand mm. it. That's interesting.
1: I, I I must admit I I didn't see the session. It's definitely one I plan on on catching up with <laughs> um, because I, I must admit that there are a few organizations that consistently produce Really, really compelling sessions. I think one is one is typically Spotify. Um, another one is definitely Netflix. They they're operating at a, a level of scale that's interesting, but also they you know they have marketing departments. They they have um, the ability, it seems, to to polish things like the slides up. And yeah, yeah part part of me says that that shouldn't matter so much, but. It really does. When the speaker's got something interesting to say, and there's some really interesting visuals on the screen, it, it does make a big difference.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, visual. Uh, you know, not all not all companies uh, <laughs> have have the kind of budgets that they that they must have <laughs> to put this stuff together. But just the fact that they have a lot of their own, you know, kind of uh, original content. That they yeah. can pull, you know, interesting images from, and not have to worry about copyright infringement. <laughs>
1: um,
2: yeah, it's great. And, and again, I thought that the talk was really interesting. And, and even though I went to it, it's definitely one that I've earmarked to go back and listen nice. to again because no matter how many notes you take, you're you, <laughs> you're not going to cover it all.
1: Yeah, yeah. And of course, the the, the major challenge is that uh, you know if, if you're taking notes on a on a laptop or something like that, that you know by the by the two thirds of the way through the session, your laptop battery is probably uh, on its last legs as well.
2: (laughs) Certainly if you're you're using a Mac. (laughs) Well, you know, I see. Yeah. And I do have a Mac. It's interesting. One of the things that was in short supply and, and you saw an increasing usage of people, right. Or outlets. And you saw people just (laughs) sitting, even though there are plenty of chairs available, clustering around outlets along the walls (laughs) and margins of the room. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You, you, you'd see people, and I was definitely one of those people, you know, if uh, if the session room had been cleaned up, then you'd go. You'd take a chair. You'd extract it from the line of chairs. You'd go and put it next to the PowerPoint <laughs> at the edge <laughs> of the room, and then squat there, kind of desperately sipping juice, um, to, in order yeah. to get you through the next few sessions. But yeah, definitely. Wobbling disorderly. Yeah, that's me. It's California, right? It's the hippie state. Yeah, that's fine. It's all <laughs> it's all cool. So excellent. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a session that I will look forward to catching up when the sessions go live. Um, okay, so next up. Um, so next up for me, I'm I'm not going to talk too much about it, and I'll tell you why, was uh, <laughs> large-scale graph processing and machine learning algorithms for payment fraud prevention. Oh,
0: you did that especially for me, didn't you?
1: I, I did. I did this just for you, Jan. Um, now this was a this was a really really tough session um, for me to choose because there were there were sort of two sessions that I wanted to attend just because of the title. So one was Dancing Elephants, which was to do with object stores. The other one was the Dirty Cow Story, which was to do with uh, handling kernel upgrades at scale. Um, <laughs> and uh, but then. So there were also two sessions that I wanted to attend from a technical perspective. So one was the, the one that I did end up um, going to, which was a session run by PayPal. And the other one was uh, large-scale graph and analytics with Janus Graph. Now, I think we talked about some of the themes being AI um, and ML and data science. I think another sort of underlying theme that seemed to crop up a few quite a few times during the session was graph graph analytics graph mm-hmm. processing graph databases. It's there's definite uh, there's a definite upswell or uptick on the number of sessions in that particular space. And uh I must admit this session was over my head if I'm totally honest. It was a very very good session the uh the guy went into a lot of depth um i didn't uh you know that there was not so much. it wasn't really so much talking about specifically um graph processing but it was heavily around machine learning which algorithms work best which you know uh, which options um they used and it was really through their their journey of how they continue to uh, improve their ability to to detect payment fraud uh, on PayPal. It, you know, a very very interesting session, um, very detailed. Um, if you're a data scientist, I think it's the or if if you you have leanings towards that, I think it's definitely the sort of session that uh, mm-hmm. would benefit from reviewing. But to be honest, it was it was probably uh, it was probably too far too far for me.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one because uh, I've never really made a connection with with graph uh, processing and fraud detection. I mean, you can see some applications, but it's uh, it's an interesting approach. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, they, they were – I do actually have my notes, so I can actually refer to them, which would be possibly a bit more helpful. But they were looking at um, – I think, yeah, um an – the auc or area under the curve of, of 0.96 um which you know you would have thought um you know 1.0 being perfect coverage basically and meaning they detect everything um but, but you know 0.96 they were they were sort of um you know looking for even you know fractional improvements on that mm-hmm. obviously you know made massive uh, improvements overall and in fact they they got it from um 0.96 up to uh, 0.7, uh, 0.979. Um, so, you know, a few percentage points improvement, which to them is, you know... Uh, millions of dollars, I'm yeah, sure, yeah. Millions and millions of dollars. Uncalculable, well, perfectly calculable, about, <laughs> I'm sure. Uncalculable for, for mere mortals like uh, like you and I. Unfathomable. Though. But, yeah, it, but, you know, really, really big data in action, in production, Um, you know, talking about the variety of different algorithms um, and uh, yeah, very, very good session, but yeah, probably uh, in reality over my head.
2: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. That's actually the session I went to as well. Ah. Um, And it was very, it was very detailed, which I thought was really, uh, really really cool. You know, they're talking about how they have uh, fraud prevention at, at different tiers of their operation At the transaction level, the account level, and at the network level as well. So there's many different ways to spot it. Um, So spot fraud because not all fraud is kind of originating in the same way, coming, you know, impacting things in the same way. Um, He mentioned uh, an algorithm that, um, or a class of algorithms, called gradient boosted trees, Mm -hmm. which actually seems to uh, be. I heard it numerous other sessions, so I wonder if that's okay. kind of the flavor of the month. Um, but he <laughs> did mention that multiple times, and and I like the the talk as well because he was talking about um, how they're kind of using um, you know different types of of deep learning and how they kind of do like hyperparameter optimization. So for certain types of machine learning algorithms, uh, the algorithms have something called hyperparameters, which you kind of can can search for the optimal. Or the best value for the for the algorithm so they kind of talked about different ways of, of calculating those or how they find those um so i thought that that was i thought that that was a good talk and 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 uh very in-depth which is which yeah. is appreciated
0: yeah. nice i wish it was there <laughs> yeah
1: i'm afraid you're you're relegated to catch up on youtube mate <laughs> i
0: know i know at least we didn't right. get that lag no that's true that's true <laughs>
1: All right. So moving on. Um, so next one, uh, just very quickly, um, the session on tuning Apache Ambari performance for big data scale with 3000 agents. Um, if you're interested in how to, what you need to tune your Ambari settings to, um, to, to scale to a three 3000 node cluster, read this, you know, watch this session, read the slides and uh, all your questions will be answered it, it was uh, a little bit around how they actually simulated 3000 agents mm-hmm. um and uh, one of just one of the amusing things was they they didn't just simulate uh, you know 3000 perfectly operating ambari agents they they simulated what they called i think the the three dwarfs of um ambari agents so uh, happy, sleepy, and grumpy ones. <laughs> so, happy ones that obviously responded sensibly. Uh, sleepy ones that were very slow in responding, but did eventually respond. And grumpy ones that you know erred or or gave gave spurious results or whatever. So, you know, they they didn't just uh, test it on on things everything working perfectly, which I thought was quite quite cool. But yeah, you know, a bit about how they simulated, a bit about some of the recommendations. As to how to tune Ambari, how to tune Ambari metrics, yeah. um, how to deal with Grafana and all that sort of thing. So, uh, not really much to say about the session um, apart from the fact very good, went into an appropriate amount of detail. And if you're interested in Ambari at that sort of scale, then that's that's definitely the place to go.
0: Yeah, just particularly about Ambari metrics and Ambari alerting. Then, if I understand correctly.
1: Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, and and yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Ambari service itself, and also a bit about um, the, the log search as well. So with the oh, yeah, the, the new thing, yeah. the solar piece as well. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah but because yeah. now the metrics thing used to be a, a bit of a hog, where you had to kind of have a separate edge node just for Ambari agents. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's yeah. yeah, it's it's improved. It's improved a lot since then. But uh, yeah, as I say, good session. If you're interested in Ambari at that sort of scale. That's definitely the one to go for. Fitz,
0: mm-hmm. what was yours?
2: Yeah, so the the next session I went to um, was a much higher level than the previous session. Is introduction of deep learning and AI at scale for managers? Ooh. So you know, the title gives <laughs> it away. Um, <laughs> but that's fine, you know. Uh, that's. Uh, that's good to have a warning, if you will. Um, and but I thought that was very interesting, nonetheless. Uh, that the speaker of that particular session, um, Vladimir Bakvansky, um, I've actually uh, seen before, and we would corresponded like slightly so ahead of this. So this is probably the only speaker I actually knew, um, even even remotely. Um, so I felt, like, compelled to go there anyway. But his talk, nonetheless, I thought was quite interesting, um, just kind of giving, giving kind of a higher-level overview of what is deep learning, the different types of, of machine learning, you know, supervised, unsupervised, and reinforcement learning, um, and how uh, I think there was an interesting statistic that, that he presented, which was that like Gartner said that 95% of all the work that's out there, um, around, uh, machine learning in corporations today is supervised learning. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, and sort of talking about, you know, what is, what is TensorFlow and Keras and all the different, um, Mm -hmm. all the different technologies that are, have kind of come up around that in terms of, you know, MXNet and CAFE and things like that. Um, so it's a higher level talk, but I thought it was uh, interesting. And you know, deep learning, uh, especially with the um, public publicization of of uh, TensorFlow, mm-hmm. you know, that last year um, has really kind of it's really kind of achieved a, a kind of a, a peak in terms of, of buzz and and excitement. A lot of people um, are really interested in deep learning now and neural networks. Um, and he, he brought up something which, which I actually personally had some experience with, which is, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, neural networks were really exciting. And then people didn't get very good results. And I, I tried to use neural networks when I was in graduate school for my research and didn't get very good results. And so a lot of people just sort of abandoned them. Yeah, yeah. And I think now, uh, they're really kind of coming into their own so yeah. it was a good talk
0: yeah yeah uh, it's, it's not easy to explain these kind of things to, to, to the manager to the c-level people because talking to tactical people you can always uh, find some common ground but these are very deep technological ish uh, items which yeah if you're not really in this world it's very hard to explain it to them so uh, it might be interesting to just uh, watch that or use the everyday work to be honest
2: yeah, yeah. I, i'm sure you guys do absolutely all right, cool. the The next
1: session that uh, that I want to talk about is a li- little bit later on in the day, and um, I don't know i I felt a little bit uh, cheated, I must admit. So the the session was uh, Data Highway Rainbow, petabyte scale event collection, transport, and delivery at Yahoo, and um, I don't know. Uh, the problem for me with this particular session is that, um, you know, Pitt, you mentioned earlier that some of these sessions are essentially the coming out party of different technologies um, that have been built internally. And uh, date, this data highway rainbow was a, one of those sorts of things, but it wasn't clear whether or not they were actually going to, uh, uh, to, to open source it or whether – um I think I, I think it was a, a public project, but I, I don't know. It it just seemed like they'd stitched a whole bunch of code together, uh, you know, for a very, very you know, high scale but you know, relatively niche set of requirements that they had. And uh I don't know. I I came away from the session really wishing that they'd gone into more of like the, how they came to this path, you know, why, how, what other components or what other elements in the big data existing ecosystem they looked at and why they discounted them or things like that. Because they, it seemed to be, it was very much focused on this, uh, all this new stuff that they'd, uh, they'd built that they were very, very pleased with. And I'm sure it, it does wonderful things for them. But uh, there was no context for me at least as to you know how it fitted into the existing ecosystem and you know where it was better or worse than some of the other pieces so uh, honestly i left that session a little bit uh, a little bit disappointed but uh, you know just one of those things
2: Sure. Yeah, I hear you. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a great title. Uh, I, the next session <laughs> I went to, I think, would win an award for probably the the most misnamed title, because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's sort of very grandiose. I went to a talk uh, titled "The Future of Data Science." Oh yeah, which sounds okay. You know, data science is a rapidly evolving space. You know, and and. Uh, it, if you're a futurologist or somebody who does that sort of kind of like looking at trends and trying to prognosticate, uh, that could be really interesting. And instead, what it turned out to be was basically a sales demonstration of uh, data science experience. So oh. that, that, yeah, that wasn't so great. <laughs> uh, I guess they feel like that's the future of data science, but I think, <laughs> um, I guess so. I think a lot of that's already been covered uh, right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, that the, there's always the odd, like hand grenade that just sneaks in there. That you know, you, you can you can try and avoid them as best you can, but uh, yeah, sometimes they sometimes those things just happen.
0: Yeah, maybe it's a pro tip. If you look at the details of that session, it's very short. It's uh, almost a one-liner. <laughs> That usually scares me away. <laughs> Although this from an IBM guy that did it, so you might expect something useful there.
2: Yeah, possibly. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, one of the things I don't know if uh, I don't know if this is politic to say here, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting is I, f- I found over time that. The most interesting talks were either by people from HortonWorks or by people from companies that had nothing to do with HortonWorks, like Netflix, for example. Yeah. Um And the ones that I thought maybe were, I found to be kind of a little suspect were the ones like with IBM, where they actually have a relationship with with HortonWorks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that that was that was sort of interesting. So sort of by day three, I was like, all right, what, what company is this guy from? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which in the beginning I wasn't necessarily looking out for that at all, but it was sort of like over time you kind of you kind of learn, right? You kind of yeah, employ yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. of yeah. Uh, machine learning internally to be like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> have
0: to put your heuristics in your head. Very much so.
1: So continuing our exploration of uh, exciting sessions, um, my next one was a technical track session, uh, deep learning in security, examples, infrastructure, challenges, and suggestions. And uh, I, I, I attended this one because I was kind of curious. The um, Obviously, that's, I've mentioned it before, I'm a, big fan of of apache metron and it's very much operating uh, in this space dealing with uh, user uh, and entity behavior analytics and um, these guys were both from hp which which was curious because hp i didn't think had a particular Horse in this uh, this big data play, but it turns out that they've actually um, they acquired a company um, mm-hmm. a little while ago called Aruba, which is now uh, Aruba, an HPE company, and uh, they have a a bunch of um, machine learning and data science and uh, deep learning analytics around um, this uh, uh, UEVA, so user and entity behavior analytics and essentially what what it what it pretty much boiled down to is uh, uh, continued um, stateful analysis of individual users and entities behavior using a series of graphical representations of that behavior so you know you'd have your 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 time the hours along one axis and i think it was like 10 minute slices along the other axis and then the behavior of a particular you know, protocol during that time. You know, if it's, uh, if it's a light color, then there was no behavior or no, no activity. If it was a, a dark red, it was incredibly high activity. And so you'd see this sort of um, uh, this graph, this block chart sort of starting to appear for each user and for each entity. And there would be one of these graphs for each protocol that was, uh, that was being analyzed and then essentially they pushed all of this through a variety of of um uh, ml and and deep learning um tools and technologies and and out of it come out with sort of recommendations as, and and threat heuristics and predictions and that sort of thing so it was it was honestly it was it was pretty interesting um some of it felt a little bit Possibly sledgehammer to crack a nut, maybe, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's certainly uh, certainly an interesting approach. And I think um, they made sort of pretty heavy use of um, convolutional neural networks. Um, and I'm kind of curious to see where this where this company goes under under HPE's uh, stewardship. Whether or not uh, we start to see some of this sort of functionality popping up in in some of their long term. Um, offerings that they have in this space as additional add-ons so things like uh, HP's arcSight for example which is their traditional security and instant and event monitoring uh tool so uh yeah an interesting session um you know they use uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, animals in the zoo and uh, yeah pretty uh, pretty relevant and pretty timely how about you Pip? all right so well, the first Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, so what are the
1: next couple that
2: uh, interesting for you? Sure. So um, the, the first episode, or excuse me, the first um, session I attended on Wednesday, the second day, was Hadoop Ego System Boost uh, for TensorFlow and machine learning technologies by a couple of gentlemen from Hortonworks. And I thought that that was uh, a pretty good talk. Um, again, it's talking about some things that they're doing internally that they hope to to open source, but it was kind of a, a, a kind of a nice balance overview between um, talking about the kind of the role of machine learning in the kind of a productionized environment. You know, machine learning in a unified platform. They had a really interesting slide, uh, which was a source from Google, but I don't I don't remember uh, from where exactly. Uh, and it was talking about how the surrounding infrastructure for machine learning systems in production is vast, and basically it was like a Uh, a block chart that showed like by kind of size, how much of the code belongs to different systems and the actual machine learning code was almost like not even visible compared (laughs) to a lot of the uh, surrounding, you know, kind of code that was there. So I thought that (laughs) that was pretty interesting. Um, They're talking about uh, how there's increasing, you know, GPU support for yarn. I mean, uh, GPUs are, you know, used a lot in, in you know, deep learning. Uh, they're much more efficient at, uh, you know, at, at certain, um, certain algorithms in that space. Yep. And they're talking about something that they're uh, creating and have created, excuse me, internally at Hortonworks that they're hoping to put into sort of the Hadoop branch in the next few months, which is called Yarn Assembly. So essentially, it's like being able to write Kind of an assembly specification in json and then you post the json file to the yarn server using rest and it kind of helps um helps them figure out and keep track of uh kind of the, the specifications in terms of uh, a lot of the properties that exist um for yarn uh it's kind of a wide-ranging discussion where they also mentioned um llap or you know low latency analytics processing as part of hive 2.0 and um, they also mentioned uh XGBoost, Boost, which is a library for something I mentioned before, gradient boosted trees, um, and so I thought it was a, a good talk. And they also mentioned kind of uh, Zeppelin notebooks and kind of gave an example of how all this stuff came together um, using like click through uh, click through rate in production, which is sort of something that a lot of uh, a lot of sites deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the second session that I went with uh, kind of dovetails nicely with. Um, how they how companies are using um, metadata a lot uh, to kind of drive um, decisions and drive processes and automation. So this was data ingest self-service and management using NiFi and Kafka. And that was by two gentlemen from Comcast. Um, and so HBase is their data lake. And they were talking about how every every single shred of data that goes into HBase makes its way through Kafka both streaming and batch, so they have like a single source uh that of uh, you know that the source of the data that's coming into into their data lake yep. and they're talking about how they um are using schema registry uh from HortonWorks works and, and apache atlas and a lot of stuff you know with metadata and how they can say hey uh people in the business, you know, tell us what specifications that you have, and they kind of create an application where they can gather all that information from all throughout the organization in a kind of codified, structured way and move that through um, to, you know, eventually what turns out to be rules and how they handle information. Um, so I thought I thought it was really useful. Uh, again, they, they have some things that they developed internally, uh, something called JSON Path, which is Actually, that's that's an external library they didn't develop that internally but he was a huge fan of um, the the uh, architect that was speaking uh, they, they uh, have open source of something called jolt which is sort of advanced JSON transformation um, that's out there now uh, and they were talking about that because they deal with a lot of information that's in JSON format and you know I think a lot of people can can sympathize with uh, some of the difficulties with with uh, trawling through some of that uh, kind yeah, of invested no. data structure. Yeah. But, yeah, and a lot of information also around kind of data governance and the different aspects of that, data quality, data curation, data rationalization even. Um, but it was interesting that they were kind of talking about their process and how they, from a technical standpoint, are big fans of Avro, but had to kind of stop using uh, that that uh, format because it was uh, proving to be too rigid um, from yeah. from a schema change perspective, yeah. So yeah, so there's some some good tips in that talk.
1: Nice, nice. It's always nice when there's a, a session where, you know, sometimes you go to sessions and and they'll be they'll talk about the problems, but they they won't have solved them yet. <laughs> so it's always nice when they 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 talk about the problems and they say and and here's how we here's how we got around that or here's how we here's how we dealt with that for the time being. Interesting. Um, okay, so my my next session, um, uh, you, and you're going to start to sense a bit of a theme here, uh, is uh, bringing it all together. Apache Metron uh, as a case study <laughs> for a modern streaming architecture on Hadoop. And uh, so this is this is kind of interesting. So if you are not interested in cybersecurity, but you are interested in high performance um, streaming. Architectures and infrastructures. This is worth uh, worth your time. If you're interested in Metron and cybersecurity, this session is worth your time. <laughs> so, two audiences, one great session um, delivered by uh, Casey Stella, who's um, uh, data scientists at HortonWorks, and uh, you know he he really went through from the top down. Um, you know how, in particular. We're using uh, Kafka and Storm and HBase and Zookeeper within uh, within Metron, specifically at, at sort of the application level, if you think if you want to think of it that way, but also talking about it as a more of a general purpose streaming architecture. So one of the examples um, is that uh, things like the the Storm topologies have been built in such a way that um, you know changing the behavior. Doesn't require the storm topologies to be restarted. You can actually change the behavior of, of them continuously in real time, uh, because they're they're taking their their config from Zookeepers. Oh, so okay. you can make modifications to this uh, and continue streaming the events through. Um, there's the recent sort of set of testing that they just completed the week before the summit. Um, there's some there's some old sort of testing done um, during the sort of the final phases of open where they were testing on, I think it was a a 10 node Cisco UCS cluster. So pretty, pretty high performance hardware. And they were getting around about, um, 1.2 million events a second. There's a, um, there's a blog post from, from way back then and a, a slide share deck out there that's talking about those sorts of numbers. And, uh, just, just the week, pretty much the week before um, the DataWorks Summit uh, got kicked off, um, we finished another recent uh, POC project, and that was um, uh, in excess of a million events a second on um, a, on a six-node cluster. You know, relatively, you know, not necessarily ideally configured for the for the use. So. You know, m- going from where things were in in OpenSOC land to where we are now with uh, with Metron, you know, the, it's you could think of it like uh, nearly uh, twice the the performance improvement. So I think the the work that's been done in this uh, in this streaming analytics framework, if you want to think of it that way, is is pretty important and pretty interesting, and certainly uh, well worth following as a as a pattern for the future. But uh, as I say. If if you're interested in, in Metron, great session. If you're interested in real-time streaming and analytics,
2: great session. <laughs> your love of Metron is well known for regular podcast <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is true. This is true.
0: At least he's All still right.
1: hiding it. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've definitely come out on that front. So, how about you? What what we what were your next great sessions?
2: Uh, so the next session I went to is, uh, by a fellow from important works. Uh, the name was information is beautiful Zeppelin edition. And I've used Zeppelin before, uh, I- at a previous, uh, job where, um, I was doing a lot more stuff with spark and I had not touched Zeppelin for a while. I've actually given several like presentations at meetups on Zeppelin. So I hadn't, like I said, I had not touched it for a while. So I wanted to go and see sort of what's been done. With it uh, since then, and the answer is a lot, and a, a lot of it in a, in a very good, um, a very good way. Uh, the kind of a lot of the updates were around uh, security, access control layers, um, fine-grained sort of permission tunings possible. Um, they were talking about how, you know, you, you'd want to have like lots of different configuration possibilities for LDAP authentication. Um, and how you can use, like, if, if Zeppelin is connected to Hive, you can use Apache Ranger for row and column security, which which I didn't know. Um, when I gave a presentation on Apache Zeppelin, this was about a little over a year ago, a lot of the questions were around, well, it seems like you could do this, or this is lacking this, or how can you prevent someone from going and doing this and all this stuff. And it made me think, wow, I wish I'd read the roadmap for the project. <laughs> so a lot of the questions were kind of around missing funk or what was perceived as missing functionality. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like they plugged a lot of holes in there, which I thought was uh, was great and they a better, uh, better visualization. Um, and you can extend like with D3, uh, which is a JavaScript library that a lot of people use for visualizations. So that was was great. I I was really impressed with uh, a lot of the uh, advances that been made to Zeppelin. So that was cool.
1: I was actually Um, in this exact same session. And one of the things I would mention is uh, it it was supposed to be information is beautiful. But um, what it actually turned into was uh, running Zeppelin in production. And so I would recommend. Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) If if you liked this session, um, go and check if you haven't already seen it. The EMEA version of this session, which is um, one of uh, one of my uh, my ex colleagues, or one of our ex colleagues, I should say, um, uh, Bernard Walter, uh, talking about specifically the visualization components and the the new code that he'd been working on with the, some of the upstream community to bring. Um, some new dynamic visualizations into into zeppelin as well so this was this was focused it was a good session by the way I, I agree it was kind of you know focused on all of those things that you know people that are running Zeppelin at scale and have been running it for a little while um, will you know still occasionally trip over one or two things that don't work like they expect you know things like you know Livy and how to deal with different interpreters and all those sorts of things and I i think I agree I think this this talk really sort of covered if you implemented everything that was on here, um you'd be in good shape and I think the final nice thing I would mention is that um they 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 weren't shy about also saying like and these are a few caveats that you know still need to be solved, and we're working on it, and we're working with upstream and you know you can expect some of these to to come up in in future releases, so yeah. Agreed, great, great session. You you stole yeah. one of my great ones. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. Uh, uh,
2: the next one I went to was very different sort of uh, sort of talk, uh, which was called "The Apache Way" by one of your former guests, Alan Gates from HortonWorks. Oh. And I thought yeah, that I was that one. was not technical at all. Um, but the reason I wanted to go to it is I'm a I'm a big fan of the Apache Software Foundation. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a you know PMC member and a VP yeah. I think, and you know the, this this area big data especially you know really um, owes a debt of gratitude to the Apache Software Foundation. So I wanted to hear what he had to say about what is the Apache way and how do projects go from you know from the incubator into being top level and just just everything around it. And and so I said it was, it's not technical at all, but I didn't expect it really was going to be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, um, a lot of the, questions were sort of around it was very inspirational almost i would say because a lot of the questions were around um how does one sort of get involved with with the with the nice. project um nice because yeah and and it's needed i mean obviously you know these things don't don't develop from ether so they need people to get involved and i think a lot of people um have a conception that i once had which is you know I don't think I know enough about this project to start you know pounding out code and contributing stuff. So how can somebody get involved? And he had a you know great answer around you know that they, they need testers, they need documenters, they need users, uh, especially in the early stages to kind of help find the bugs and things like that. So uh, it was it was a good talk, and it was it was the one talk where I actually asked the question myself. So that <laughs> was always nice. so what what was your question and what was the answer? Uh, So my question was around, um, you know, he was talking about the importance of community to the uh, Apache Software Foundation, the Apache way. And one of the questions I asked was, is there sort of a role in uh, these various projects for kind of an ambassador, the sort of person whose role it is, is to... Uh, potentially do outreach to interest people in their project or to help newbies kind of come on board Mm -hmm. that's not as dry as you know i'll go look at this wiki post yeah um that sort of thing and the answer was there is no official role (laughs) uh like that but um it was something that is uh known to be needed Mm -hmm. at, at projects and um and yeah, that was sort of, that was sort of the gist of things. The evangelist, basically. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of. It, but it's kind of like an evangelist. And I, I would say it's like, a. I use the word ambassador uh, specifically because I thought that, it, you know, an ambassador kind of helps, you know, bring people on and smooth things over if there's yeah. any, yeah. if there's any issues and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so that was a, that was a different style of talk, but I thought, uh, Excellent.
1: It's, it's interesting because, uh, so how, how well attended was that session?
2: Ooh, I would say, uh, fairly well attended. Uh, I, if I had to guess at the crowd count, I would say that there is probably, um, 80, 90 people there.
1: Yeah. See that, that to me, I'm, that to me is a thoroughly inspiring thing to hear because it like, we go to these conferences and to a certain extent there's a there's an element of this which is which is all about the tech and all about, you know, finding about the latest features and functions. But the reality is that the the larger story here is things like the ASF, things like the the communities that, that people are building around these technologies and how how you can contribute for the greater good. So I'm I'm really glad to hear that that was a popular session. I'm really glad to hear that you you attended it and enjoyed it. Um, I'll certainly pass your your thoughts on to on to Alan. Uh, I'm. It's definitely a session now that I'm going to go and uh, go and go and watch. So, no, excellent. That's really good news.
2: Great. Yeah. It was it was good. It was very good. All right.
1: Um, so maybe I'll, I'll talk about a session next. Um, as you as you stole my uh, stole my Zeppelin production <laughs> session. <laughs> um, so so uh, I, my next uh, next notable session was uh, by Symantec, uh, a couple of guys from Symantec, and uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny now because this this is I think this is the third time I've I've uh, seen this team present, and it's it's really quite cool because. Um, I've seen their story evolve over time. And you know, when they first started, um it was it was very much around you know they had existing on-prem. they weren't able to scale it for a, a bunch of different reasons. Um, and they were looking at you know hybrid and for certain use cases and, and you know things like that. whereas the session that they presented this time round was very much they have essentially, Migrated. They are fully cloud, and this was about you know the the sort of um, the second part of that overall journey. Um, so they were talking about so semantic. For those that don't know, um, this is not just the part of the business that deals with uh, Norton Antivirus but this is the part of the business that uh, deals with cybersecurity for, for industry and for organizations as well. So they have network security, they have, you know, yes, they have antivirus, but they also have intrusion prevention and all these sorts of other things and they protect, protect corporate networks. So as you might imagine, they have a huge um, volume of, of data feeds. Um, they're sort of tracking tens of billions of files. Responding to, you know, you know seven, seven billion, um, sort of, you know, queries coming in daily. They're around about just under 2000 nodes with uh, 115 petabytes of storage, um, over 500, uh, internal users, 2.4 million events a second, so on and so forth. And the, the numbers and the, the scale of what they're doing is, is just very, very impressive. And, uh, you know, th- I think what I, would, what I would emphasize with this session is that they talk about um, the sort of the direction that they've been, some of the challenges that the, you get from moving to cloud. And they particularly focused on, um, you know, the journey to cloud is not just about lift and shift. It's not take your existing architecture, shovel it into the cloud, and you're done. Technically, yes, you can implement things that way. Um, But you'll end up with uh, a non-optimal, fairly expensive solution. So there are a a variety of things that I'm sure Jan will happily talk about when moving to cloud that you can do to optimize your your deployments the cloud way. And they, they highlighted some of those pieces that they experienced. Um, but I, it was a really, really good session. Um, I actually uh, went up and, and thanked the guys afterwards for for sort of really, really good talk. Um, and yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, I recommend anyone that's in that sort of cloud journey; uh, it's definitely a session worth uh, worth watching.
0: All right.
2: Okay, so I have the the kind of the last two uh, sessions of the day that I went to. Um, one of them was on uh, it's called an overview on optimization in Apache Hive, past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is by uh, two folks from HortonWorks. So I think only one spoke. but in any case,, um, my notes on that was that there was a huge audience in that room um, <laughs> for that which is you know maybe not surprising i think you know a ton of people obviously use hive and trying to figure out you know what what's out there and what's changing and how it's going to become more optimal uh is interesting a lot of people um they spent a lot of time talking about apache calcite mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and they spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about um some of the particulars and how these optimizations might occur in terms of uh, predicate pushdown advancements and metadata caching and predicate folding and, and some other stuff. There are a lot of questions sort of around a lot of the specifics. Uh, so I think there was a pretty uh, technical audience um, and how they're going to use like collect and use statistics to kind of help power the optimizer in, in, a, in a better way um, automatically gathered like statistics on a per column and a partition basis as well as per table um so, that, so that was very interesting i mean they they have they covered a lot of things and a lot of advances um they talked a little bit about druid uh i was hoping that they would talk more about druid um there were actually a couple of other topics uh excuse me sessions on on druid which mm-hmm. i was not able to attend so even though i wanted to learn more about druid i kind of failed but that was <laughs> through my own through my own choices that's the next um, time yeah, yeah, scheduling, yeah, exactly.
1: Scheduling doesn't always allow it, does it?
2: Nah, not even. But it, it, yeah, so it was a, it was a good talk, though. They they uh, spoke a lot about um, kind of shard work optimizers and uh, work on materialized view support, which is something that uh, right. you know a lot of people use, and you find a lot of relation database systems. Um, it would be quite useful there. So, yeah. Um, and also, kind of where they're where they're going in the future. So, that that was a good talk. Um, and so that was that was worthwhile to hear because I use I use Hive myself, and it's so it's nice to kind of understand better, uh, kind of the query plans and and how uh, how these things might get optimized in the future.
1: Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent.
2: And, yeah, uh, that,
1: the, the Hive the Hive the Hive sessions are always really really well attended. It it, <laughs> it, it seems to be the 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 sort of. Uh, the the hot topic that everybody everybody wants to see what the future of that is and where it's going and that sort of thing.
2: Sure, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very germane to me, so that that was that was great. Uh, the last topic topic or talk, excuse me, that I went to is called uh, scaling Uber's real time infrastructure to hundreds of billions of events per day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also quite technical. Um, very, uh, very focused on, on Kafka. Uh, Kafka is, is Uber's data hub. Everything goes through it. Um, and it was kind of really talking about how they have much more so than a lot of organizations the need for, for like real time processing, you know, information on rides, ETAs, matching riders with drivers, things like that, that uh, a lot of companies um you know, don't have the kind of uh, very, like, low-latency requirements that their business, you know, needs. Um, And so that was interesting uh, in terms of how they deal with, like, batch processing, how they have to handle, like, multiple language support, because they said that they have Java, they have Go, they have Python, they have Node.js, they have C++. So they kind of have a podge podge of languages. um, And how they have very large-scale, they have at least 10,000-plus, you know, kafka topics um they also kind of were talking about a couple of projects that they're either open sourcing or planning to open source i think they were open source something called chaperone which uh is used for auditing kafka and kind of figuring out like if data does go bye-bye or disappear in some way okay. they wanted to be able to find out what happened to that right away mm. yeah so yeah, so that, was, that was that talk. That's, basically, that's an area
1: that that seems to come up more and more regularly now. Like, but overall, sort of uh, deeper monitoring and deeper uh, understanding of what's happening within things like Kafka is uh, is getting to be more and more of a common request. So, I think interesting anything that happens in that space is going to be very
0: popular.
2: Yeah, I imagine everybody. Just like with data quality, I mean, there's, there's certain problems yeah. that are universal to. Any any company really? So Very that was so. the last session of the day for me.
1: Okay, so my my next notable session um, was uh, was one from Rogers Rogers Telcom in uh, in Canada, and it was um, really just a, a nice session. Uh, honestly, a little bit too high level. Um, but you know they they tried to go into some depth where they could, but this was definitely one of those you know there's a certain amount of commercial sensitivity, uh, and you know, literally you could look around the room and that they were um, they were calling out sort of at the beginning, saying hi to you know guys from Verizon over there, the guys from Telenor over there, and all that sort of thing. So uh, it was it was it was a good session. It was interesting. But it, it was a little bit uh, more high level than, than would have been ideal, I think. Um, so yeah, that's 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 probably uh, that's probably almost it. I think I've only got one more notable session really. So uh, um, over over to
2: you, Pip. Okay, so I'm on to day three now um, cause I think I covered all the sessions I went to on the second day. Um, uh, you know, d- towards the end of, of the, the third day, I was kind of petered out <laughs> <laughs> on, on some of the sessions. It's a, it's a lot to go through. You know, if you get there in time for the keynote, you're there at nine, you know, the sessions wrap up around six thirty. you know, sure you have a couple breaks and stuff, but it's uh, it's a long day. Um, on the third day, uh, a notable session I, I went to is by LinkedIn. It's mm-hmm. sort of LinkedIn and Hadoop, kind of past, present, and future. Um, and the uh, fellow from LinkedIn had been there for quite some time uh, for many years, and so he's kind of seen it all. Uh, I was talking about um, LinkedIn, you know, had started with uh, originally ran on Oracle, um, it ran too slow after a while, so they were investigating moving to Hadoop. This is in the 2008-2009 time time range they're kind of early on not much documentation he said if that the real that's the real secret was if you do somebody at yahoo <laughs> at that <laughs> time you could get some inside knowledge uh hopefully get some help um he's talking about how at, at linkedin they have a large number of people who have access to the cluster and who use the cluster so they've really uh made it a point to um popularized kind of access to, to the cluster. So they have over a thousand people who have access to it. Um, and so that's something that they, they've done specifically and purposefully. So it's sort of, you know, how did they, um, how did they figure out how to scale up over time? Uh, they developed a number of applications, um, ran into some, uh, problems with kind of scale testing, um, So they had two types of scaling challenges, people and machines, because, like I said, they had a lot of people on their cluster. Uh, They had some, uh, I guess, problems, if you will, uh, kind of caveat emptor types of talks about or uh, scenarios, examples around how to not do scale testing um, in terms of machines. And so they kind of – how they do it now is – they deploy change to a small cluster and then they see if anything breaks and they kind of progressively move out to larger clusters and that that's how they used to do things. This was considered to be both like labor and resource intensive and sometimes the changes couldn't be rolled back. Um, so now they've developed something called the HDFS dynan, dynanometer, which is sort of (laughs) scale testing and performance testing. It's sort of how they approach scale testing now. Um, and, you know, they're talking about how, like, some of the problems with Hadoop that, you know, in this guy's opinion, Hadoop has too many knobs exposed, a lot of jobs are poorly tuned, um, yeah. performance can change over times, so and that, in his opinion, the developers don't invest the time to really tune properly properly. Um, You know, they're they're happy if it works, (laughs) generally speaking, and it's not bringing down the system. done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he he mentioned a number of of uh, internally um, developed applications, some of which they're hoping open source, and some of which they aren't. Uh, They have a really good uh, naming uh, idea, or like naming uh, things. They have uh, an application called Doctor Elephant, which performs automated performance troubleshooting for Hadoop workflows. Um, that's open source and on GitHub. They have an internal tool that they're hoping to open source called Soak Cycle, which is sort of real world integration testing at scale. Um, and they kind of treat that the jobs that that people use on the cluster you know right now, if you will, as 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 QA jobs. Um, and so they kind of bring those in and run them through the Soak cycler and see if something fails. Because um, that's how the app, that's how the the cluster is being used right now. So they kind of take existing you know real world yeah. scenarios and run them yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was an interesting talk, uh, and I think that was also uh, quite well attended. Um, and so the the kind of the future, he talked about a project called One which he kind of was running out of time, so he kind of rushed through that at the end. Um, but his goal is to have like all of their clusters. I think he, I think they had 10 clusters, I want to say. Um, but the goal is to have all the clusters sort of behave as one big logical cluster. Um, but he didn't really get any specifics on that.
1: Yeah. So Carl Steinbach. I've, I've, uh, I've been in a couple of his sessions at previous summits. Good, good presenter, you know, all, every time I've seen him, very engaging, uh, very interesting sessions. So yeah, sounds like, uh, sounds like that was a really good one.
2: Yeah, I thought so too. Um and you had you had one you were going to go on for? Yeah. So,
1: I mean, the the final session that I'll I'll probably talk about really is uh um session by ExxonMobil. and it was uh, just titled uh, Lessons Learned from a Shared Data Lake Adoption. And I think this is probably my um session of the summit. And it's kind of a bit of an odd choice, really, because it wasn't uh, it wasn't deeply technical, but it was just um, it was a great story. It was about ExxonMobil's um, adoption journey, and all the way from the very beginning, you know, they didn't shortcut anything, which I thought was really good. So they talked about it from you know b- before the POC phase, you know, before where how they were trying to to decide whether or not Hadoop was the right tech for them, you know, how they went through, you know, their selection of technologies, how they did POC, how they moved from from POC to first use case to production, you know, how they dealt with security, how they dealt with multi-tenancy, um, it was a very very good session, and it was it was really nice. There was a nice interplay between sort of their their partner of choice, which happened to be HortonWorks in this case. And you know they would they would hand off at various different points to like the HortonWorks um, uh, solution engineer who would talk about you know some of the things from the HortonWorks side of things. So you know how how HortonWorks helped this particular uh, customer in, through certain parts of their journey that were more difficult, and then you know they're they hand back over to the Exxon guy and he would then carry on some of the story. So it was just a, it was a really well, um, really well attended session, uh, really well um, handled session, really nicely presented, great messaging. I think if, if I was going to recommend just one session for, for an organization that was just starting out and wanted to know what the journey might look like and, you know, pitfalls to avoid and things to think about, uh, I would probably recommend this session um, to for them to watch because it covered all of that really well, and you know, the visuals were good as well. It was um, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the name of the presentation style, but it's the 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 one where it, it's it's an overall picture, and the, the slides just zoom in and out yeah, of different yeah, parts yeah, of yeah. that picture
0: um i've seen it i have no idea what it's called yeah
1: it'll come to me uh, uh, presto or something i don't know anyway it really good session um yeah my, that's definitely my my session of the summit i think cool okay so um Pitt, you know what what's your, what's your final pick of two uh
2: so the last presentation that i'll talk about or that i want to cover um which is I think the second to last one that I went to was uh, the Columnar Roadmap, Apache Parquet and Apache Arrow by mm-hmm. Julian Ledem. And I had an interesting reason for wanting to go to this uh, this particular talk because last, ooh, let's see, last uh, September, November, last fall anyway, mm-hmm. I went to a conference um, in New York where uh, Mr. Ledem presented on Apache Arrow, and it was kind of – somewhat conceptual and, and, you know, wanting to get started. And so I was curious to see how much had been kind of covered, if you will, um, in the, in the intervening, um, you know, eight, nine months. And, uh, the answer is quite a lot. And, uh, I thought that that was, uh, you know, just sort of like a, a check-in and, you know, th- this is an individual, um, who, you know it's one of the main driving forces behind apache parquet and now he's um you know spearheading apache arrow and it's the sort of thing we're kind of harkening back to uh alan gates's talk on the apache software foundation the apache way it's like it may be like inspired to want to get or try to get involved in in the apache arrow project i think that that's a really interesting um interesting way of looking at things and i think once you know a lot of people are obviously getting on board with kind of the columnar data structure that parquet offers and then you know not having to, to serialize deserialize. i think once apache arrow gets further along in its uh in its production then i think that it's the sort of thing will which will really be uh be adopted so we'll see but it, it may be inspired to get involved in in the project
1: nice nice all right, excellent. So, if that's your if that's your final session, then you know what were your what were your overall impressions around the uh, the DataWorks Summit
2: so, overall, I was really impressed. I mean, it's a lot of people, uh, to the point where you and I met up twice at the <laughs> in three days, you and I met up twice, and both of them were preplanned pre-planned occasions. We never saw each other outside of it, to give you an idea of how many how many people were there. Um, yeah, yeah we never I never went to a single session where there was problem with space. So I think that they did a great job of of accommodating that and you know to have not having people getting locked out of the room or or being oh, left out of the hall or anything like that so that was yeah. great yeah the venue was was nice i think there were some temperature problems there was one room in particular <laughs> where it was like notably quite chilly um but otherwise uh you know the food was good and the people were nice and and all in all that was a very well uh put on production um A lot of docents, like a lot of uh, of that venue, it just seemed like every ten feet you'd walk, there was somebody with a red coat on who was telling you to go this way or that or whatnot. Um, So they did a good job with the with the organizations, and I was uh, quite impressed with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it was a, it was a, it continues to be a very well run, uh, very well augmented uh, event. I think the only thing I would probably add to that is, uh, if you want to, if you want to run a poll, the best way is to, buy, with a show of hands, not votes in the app. <laughs> 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 and for those, that, for those that uh, that uh, have s- have seen the the day two keynote, they'll know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I think it was a it was a great uh, it was a great event. I was very very happy to be there. Um, it was great to catch up with you face-to-face and give you a few Roaring Elephant stickers, for you, which I, I did actually see uh, you showed me the, the next day. You already had uh, one on your laptop, so good work.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm a big fan of the stickers, so uh, that was great. to I, I agree. It was great to finally meet you. Obviously, Jan, we didn't get a chance to meet in yeah. person, but it was phenomenal to chat with you today. And I thank you so much for putting on such an excellent podcast, but obviously also… Running a poll and and uh, I was happy to win, obviously, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, pleased that I could take advantage of it. So it was, it was a fantastic experience. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thanks to so work sponsor, of course. Indeed, yes,
1: indeed, indeed, fantastic.
2: All right, and with that,
1: that's probably about all the time we have for today. Um, so yeah, thanks so much, Pitt, for for joining us. Uh, for this San Jose DataWorks Summit wrap-up session. Bit of a monster one this time around, but uh, <laughs> hopefully a lot of, lot, of, lot of good information and uh, inspiration for sessions to to go and catch up when they uh, when they go live within the agenda. Uh, but until then, we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Um, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find out more information about the podcast. There's also a feedback form, and uh, you can also follow us on Twitter using the at HadoopCast tag. Um, you, by all means, contact us by email, podcast at RoaringElephant.org, with any of your thoughts, comments, criticisms, and other feedback. Uh, so thanks again, Pitt, for your time. Much appreciated. Um, but Thank until you, then, and that's a pleasure. But until then, my name's Dave. And my name is John. And we look forward to talking to you in two weeks' time. Bye.